uh, let me just talk to you for a few moments. 1982, Reverend Don Johnson, most of you aren't familiar with that name, picked up the phone, called my dad, Kenneth Gillins, and said, Ken, I want you to consider planting a church. And at first, dad wondered whether or not that was even his calling. Uh, but Brother Johnson challenged him, encouraged him. I really believe if you ever met Brother Johnson, and that's what we called him in those days, brother. If you ever met him, he was a person who believed in empowering people. This was before the era of church planting got popular, before everybody was planting a church. But Don Johnson really saw that that was the future of reaching people with the gospel. So he challenged and encouraged Dad. Several possible sites were presented. None of them felt right to Dad. Then one day, uh, Don Johnson called up Dad and said, Ken, I've found an area that could really use a church. In fact, the closest church on that side of the river is several miles away. Would you think about starting a church in Watts Bar? And dad drove up here, and he found an old abandoned storefront building. If you've been to Gus's, it's that building sort of catty corner across from Gus's. It's burned down now? Okay. So dad walked that building. Now, I need, I need to let you know, I was with dad when he walked that building. I was a really young teenager, and I walked that building. There were littered Coke cans, beer cans, cigarette butts scattered all over the floor, and I remember my great, incredible faith because dad was walking that building and I looked at dad and said, are you sure God told you to do this? <laughs> it just didn't look very hopeful to me. But dad drove back home. He looked at mom and said, hey, Connie, I think I found a building. Let's start with revival. And dad's whole approach in entering into that revival was this. If God's active, we want to participate with the activity of God. And if God doesn't show up, we don't need to show up. Incredibly, the first night of that revival, a man by the name of Charles James gave his life to Jesus Christ. That's the dad of Janet James, a girl that was traveling with us in a singing group at that time. That revival lasted two weeks. Now, some of you don't even know what a revival is. Some of you, you think you're making a sacrifice because you get up and you come to church one day every week. Listen, we had to go to church every night for two solid weeks and twice on Sunday. That's revival. At the end of it, you felt like you needed revival. You were so tired. And after two weeks, Dad began to pray, God, do you want to start a church here? Do you want us to plant a church here? So he looked at Mom, and, and my, my dad was was a very thoughtful, gentle man. And dad said, here's what we're going to do. After all of our family goes home back to their churches, if God will give us seven people on a Sunday morning, we'll start a church. Seven people. You know, Jesus said you don't need a lot of faith. You just need a little. Mustard seed faith. Well, that Sunday morning, 11 showed up. And my dad said, this, this was my dad's thought. God has done exceedingly abundantly more than I ask. 
in on 11 people, 11 people. I want you, I want you to get that because today we do church plants. You know, they boil this down to a science these days. And if a few hundred aren't there the first service, they think it is a failure. If my dad had brought that kind of mindset to the arena, what we're looking at this morning would not be in existence. Eleven people and dad said, God has done exceedingly abundantly more. So the first services of what would become Watts Bar Community Church, at first it was Watts Bar Church of God, took place January 1983. The church was officially established March 30th. 1983, the first service on this piece of property, November 1983, and after 40 years, I was here the first night of centuries, after 40 years, by the first night, the first, by the way, the first night of centuries was supposed to be a private night, CR people only, the place was packed the first night, unannounced night, the place was still packed. After 40 years, God is still making a difference through Watts Bar Community Church. And I've got good news for you this morning. You're not finished yet. Because God's not finished yet. If you're not dead, God's not done. He's got greater things in store. And, and some of you are wondering, why spend time? And this is something that we get away from in these days. We get away from testimonies. We get away from recalling history. But you need to know this. Psalm 107 verse 43 gives us a really important word. It says, those who are wise will take this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. So guys, if... Whatever time you've been connected, you know, we've got the original OG. She was here on the front row a minute ago. I'm talking about Faye Rose. Oh, she's doing the offering now. So we got the original OG here, Faye. I was here. Kelly was here. Casey was here. Uh, by the way, I, I think I was here probably because I wanted to be. You know, my girlfriend was coming to sing. That was Janet. Janet can't be here this morning. She was sick last night. And she so hates missing it. I, I think with Kelly, Kelly was probably here because he wanted to, because he was getting to play the drums. But Casey was probably here because he got drug here. He had a drug problem even way back then. He was drugged to church whether he wanted to come or not. brothers. Uh, if you're thankful for what God has done over 40 years of ministry, he's used people like my dad and mom, Ken and Connie Goins. He's used people like your current pastors, Kelly and Denise Goins. He has used people like your exceptional team, Casey and Tiffany Goins, Ben and Amanda Harris. Uh, Austin and Brianna Lacombe, Bobby and Kelsey Kerber, Faye Rose. He's used people. He's used people like you. He's used people like the 60 plus 
who were a part of this huge cast. He's used people that greeted me at the door this morning when I showed up. He's used people that cook meals regularly. He's used people like the people that show up on Thursday night. Did you see those pictures of what happened in this room this past Thursday night with Celebrate Recovery? He has used people just like you. If you're thankful for what God has done, I'm going to ask you not to give God a polite golf clap. The Masters is over. I'm going to ask you to give God a loud, thunderous ovation of praise. Come on, give it up to God. 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 Not to us, not to us, but to your name. Be all the glory. Not to us, not to us, but to your name. Be all the glory. Now, again, I said I'm going to talk to you. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, and help me out, set a timer for like 30 minutes. Uh, well, I've got one back there now. I see a clock. Here's our problem, and, and the reason we need more occasions like this for celebration. We live in a chronically negative world. We're bombarded by a 24-hour news cycle. We live in a culture that relishes in the failure, the pain of other people. And it's not just a problem out there. It's a problem in the church. I mean, if you're a YouTube guy like me, like I love YouTube, and I follow several thought creators, both in the church and outside the church, and I'm amazed at the amount of negativity that exists even in the church. I want you to think about conversations you might have had this week with people you care about. Did those conversations build you up or did they tear you down? Parents, did you build up the children under your care or did you tear them down? Married people in the room, did the words you speak this week build up your spouse or did those words, whether intentionally or not is unimportant, did your words tear your spouse down? It's amazing how one voice, one voice can inspire you, lift you, move you forward in life. It's also amazing how sometimes all it takes is one voice to hurt you, wound you, send you on a downward trajectory that pushes you, plummets you, especially if you're like me and you constantly live in your head into a spiral of depression. Now, today is not only What's Bar 40th Anniversary Celebration, it's also Pastor Appreciation Sunday at What's Bar Community Church. So let me, let me walk out why this is important. There's this business leader, thought leader. He's passed now. His name, Peter Drucker. If you went to school for business management at any reputable university, you had to read Peter Drucker's stuff. The dude, a legend. And here's what Peter Drucker said to a pastor named Steve, so Steve Sogren, who pastored a vineyard church years ago. Uh, they were together at a leadership conference. Peter Drucker was a great Christian, even though he was respected worldwide for his intellect in business. 
And when Peter was talking to Steve, Peter looked at Steve and said, over the years, I've made a career out of studying the most challenging management roles out there. After all of that, I'm now convinced that the two most difficult jobs in the world are these. Number one, to be president of the United States. And number two, to be a pastor in a local church. Another business giant indicated that being a pastor requires the greatest amount of leadership intelligence that might be necessary to lead any group of people. And here's the problem. There's a crisis with American pastors these days. Now, uh, Ben announced me as a guest, but this is my home church. If I'm not traveling, I'm here. And I'll be traveling for the next six weeks. So if you don't see me here, it's because we're traveling. But this is home. Kelly jokes with me. We got those big ties coming in because he's traveling. They're not big, but they're coming in. God reminded me of this yesterday, Kelly. Uh, I was stepping out of the shower, and I'd been praying on a prayer run about this day. And when I was a pastor, I pastored 34 years. When I was a pastor, I would sometimes say something like this. Father, if there's ever a day when I don't pastor, I'm always going to love your church because Jesus died to create your church. But if there's a day I don't pastor, I want to be the best member a pastor has ever had. Why? Let, let, let me tell you why. 2018, Fuller Youth Institute did a study indicating 70% of pastors report feeling constantly fatigued or burned out. 2020, the Barna Group found that 34% of pastors feel lonely and isolated. 2018, the Journal of Pastoral Care and Counseling found that pastors have a higher risk of suicidal ideation than any other group on the planet. And we've seen some of those stories in recent years of pastors taking their own life. 2021, Barna again with Lifeway Research indicated that 38% of pastors had seriously considered quitting full-time ministry in the last months. By 2022, that number had risen to 42%. And another study by the National Association of Evangelicals and Lifeway found that every month, 1,500 pastors walk away from ministry. Now, sometimes all it takes is one voice to hurt you, wound you, drag you. Change the trajectory of your life. On the other hand, encouragement is what oxygen is to the body. It's what gasoline is to the car. I mean, one word of encouragement, it can cause you to try harder, reach further, dig deeper, hold on longer. I don't think I've ever met anyone who quit because they were over-encouraged. i tell you why I quit pastoring that church. They just encouraged me way too much. 
Truett Cathy, who founded Chick-fil-A. He said, the international sign to know if someone needs encouraging is, guess what? If they're breathing. If they're breathing, they need encouragement. Now, I know what some of you are looking for. You're looking for the perfect pastor. Well, I've got great news, dropping news for you. Some time ago, I read this, a chain letter on how to get the perfect pastor. The results of a computerized survey on the expectations of church members now indicate the characteristics of the perfect pastor. You want to know what they are? His sermons. His sermons are expositional, topical, life-related, drop-dead funny, while also being incredibly serious all at the same time. He never preaches more than 25 minutes, though he makes you feel as if he unpacked an hour worth of material in those short 25 minutes. He's direct when he confronts sin, but he never offends or ticks off anybody in the room. He works from 6 a.m. to 12 midnight, but somehow miraculously gets eight hours of sleep every night because he wants to be rested. He's slim on the thick side. He's stocky, but on the skinny side. He's kind, but he doesn't let himself get pushed around. He's young, but he looks really mature. He's 35 years old, but he's got 40 years of experience. I mean, that's him. He makes $25,000 a year, but lives in a beautiful home, drives a really nice car, wears really cool clothes, buys dozens of books to keep him informed, and gives away 10% of his income to the church in the tithe, 10% as an offering, and 10% to missions. He's passionate about working with teenagers and young adults, but he spends all of his time with senior citizens. He's a close personal friend to literally everybody in the church. He smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to his work. He makes 15 visits a day to families in the church, families outside the church, church members in the hospital, and the distant relative of a church member who's in the hospital. But somehow he spends eight hours a day in the office, so he's always available whenever you call. He speaks English and Spanish. He knows Hebrew and Greek, but he's really down to earth. He's a devoted student of God's word, but always manages to stay culturally relevant. He's a terrific husband, a great dad, an amazing granddad, even though he's never at home. He has three kids and four grandkids who are perfectly mattered and never get into trouble. And well, his wife, his wife cooks like Nigella Lawson and Rachel Ray. She decorates the house like Joanna Gaines. She prays like Hannah, leads like Esther, worships like Martha. She studies the Bible like Beth Moore. She counsels like Lisa Turkhurst. She looks like Jennifer Garner, but she never gets anybody jealous. Now, here's the end of this survey. If your pastor doesn't measure up, simply send this chain letter to six other churches whose pastors failed to meet these reasonable expectations. Then bundle up your pastor, send him to the church at the top of the list. Within three months, you'll get 1,643 pastors, and one of them should be perfect. Warning, keep this letter going. One church broke the chain, and in less than six months, they got their old pastor back. Now, that's pretty good. Listen to me. There's no perfect pastor because there's no perfect people. You know why Kelly Goins why Kelly Goins 
is so equipped to lead this church. Because you're most qualified to help the person you used to be. You know why Casey Goins is so equipped to lead this church? You're most qualified to help the person you used to be. I could keep saying the same for Ben and Austin and Bobby and their spouses. You know what I learned about ministry? I learned from my dad. And my dad believed that broken people matter to the heart of God. And God doesn't use perfect people because perfect people don't exist. But he'll sure enough use broken people if they'll give him just half a chance. And the reason God is using your team the way he's using your team is because these are people who glory in their weakness. They know that when I am weak, he is exceptionally strong. Therefore, I will glory in these weaknesses so that his profound power may be revealed. Now, some of you think you're taking quite a bit of time to honor pastors, and you've not even gotten to our notes. I'm going to take more time. Because after I wrote that message, I wrote another message, and then I combined those messages. So I came with 32 pages of notes, and I asked God to shorten them, and he said, no, just go, and you'll edit on the fly. You're really prepared. You've given yourself, so just tune into my spirit this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, 13. And now, friends, we ask you, honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who've been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Hold on, you've got to say the last part out loud, that last sentence. You ready? Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Say it again. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Say it one more time. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Dr. Emerson Igerix, writing about marriage, talks about the crazy cycle. It's when husbands fail to give love to their wives and because of that, Wives fail to give respect to their husbands. And he talks about how that cycle just churns like an agitator in a washing machine. But then he talks about the energizing cycle. About what happens when husbands love their wives. Ephesians 5, as Christ loved the church. And wives see to it that they respect their husbands. He said it creates an energy that just pervades the whole relationship. And I've got a vision for what's bar. I see the way your pastors love you. The way they love you. Why, why do two services on Sunday? Ben joked about it a minute ago. Why do two services? It's much easier to do one. I'm telling you, it's much easier to do one. I've done two, I've done three, I've done four and five. It's much easier to do one. Do you know what drives the heart of a pastor and team to do two or three? It's people. People just like you who need the gospel of Jesus. But, 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 but Chris, we're going to build that building and we'll, we'll get to have one. Is that the goal? Really? 
to build a big building and have one service? It, will there not be other people in Megs and Ray and the surrounding counties who don't yet know Jesus? I mean, our goal, if we're living Matthew 28, is always go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So our goal is to fill up the place multiple times every day of every week. That's love. Can you imagine what will happen if this place just becomes a church that lives in that energizing cycle of love and honor? Love and honor. Love going out. Honor coming back. And it all gets mixed up in the midst. What an organization. Let, 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 me, let me, since, since I'm, quote, Ben said this, I'm a guest... I'm not a guest, but I'm going to be a guest because guests can get away with some stuff and I'm going to get away with some stuff. Here, here's one of the problems today. I've already told you I'm a YouTube guy. I love YouTube. And one of the things I love about YouTube and podcasting platforms is that it gives us instant access to the greatest preachers around the globe at the drop of a hat and it's all free. Unfortunately, here's the other thing that it has done. It has given church members of local churches unreasonable expectations concerning the pastor or team that serves them. So I just want to give you a reality check this morning, if it's okay. By the way, I've already mentioned I love YouTube. So I love all of these people. Don't have stones to throw at any of these people. But I'm just going to name the names and just call it all out, okay? Let me just tell you, Stephen Furtick ain't coming to do your funeral. Craig Rochelle, he ain't running out to get your groceries. Ed Young won't be walking with you through the coming year. Jack Hibbs won't be showing up at your house to give you a prophecy seminar. Chris Hodges, he ain't coming to your hospital bed. T.D. Jakes won't be visiting your family in jail and preaching you one of those dynamic sermons. Andy Stanley won't be the shoulder you lean on. Judah Smith won't sympathize with you when you go through stupid stuff. Phil Wickham, Brandon Lake, Chandler Moore, Chris Brown, Kerry Job, Charity Gail, Brooke Ligerwood, how do you say that name? I get stumbling on it. They won't be singing you a song. Joel Osteen won't be writing your obituary. Todd White ain't officiating your wedding. Bill Johnson won't be joining you in your journey. Chad Veach and Chris Vallotton, well, they won't recognize your voice. Rich Wilkerson ain't hanging out with you this weekend. And Jensen Franklin isn't going to show up at your house to play you the saxophone and offer you friendship. If any of that happens, it will be because your local pastor and the leader of your church cared enough to love you all the way from here to the kingdom. Love your local pastor. Oh, that is a great place for somebody to shout. I'm talking about shout, shout. So we've already thanked God for the church, right? Here's what I want us to do. Pastor Kelly, stand up. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't get ahead of me. I know you want to. That's great. That you, you're almost on cue. Thank you. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Now, Denise is struggling with an illness. I've watched you care for this lovely lady. This is a great congregation. Pastor Kelly, Casey and Tiffany, would you please stand? Just seeing God's activity in the life of my brother and his wife. 
It's one of the greatest joys of my life. And I believe Hebrews 12, we're foreseeing we're encompassed by such a great crowd or cloud of witnesses, depending on which translation you prefer. I do believe that my mom and dad look down and they see the fruit of their prayer. I believe that. Ben and Amanda, would you please stand? I got to join these two in student ministry one night. And they love, they love your teens. They love your teens. Uh, Austin and Bree, are, are either of you, are they down there, both down there? Okay, Austin and Bree are down there. Bobby, is Kelsey in this room or is she somewhere? Bobby, can you wave, wave your hand? And then Miss Faye Rose, you were counting the offering a minute ago, but you're the original OG of this house. Would you please stand? Now, 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 we're going to work out 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. I want you to let this group of servants know how much you love and appreciate them. Come on, give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. <clears throat> you may be seated. You know, I, I was taking that shower and the Lord reminded me. The Lord said, uh, Chris, you remember that prayer you prayed that if you're ever just a member, you're going to be the best member. And I said, yeah, Lord. He said, well, what have you done for Pastor Appreciation Day? And I had to run to Walmart. <laughs> Kelly. Casey. Let's see. Uh, ben, this is Faze, but you can take her that in just a second. Let me give you another one. And this is for you and Amanda. Oh, hey, you're fine. Bobby, I'm laying it right here by your guitar. And then I'm going to put you in charge of Austin. Now, you can tell my wife was planning on being here because I would have just put my gift in a card and handed you a card. But my wife said, presentation matters, Chris. Presentation. Thank you, wife, for keeping me. She's watching right now. She sent me a text a minute ago saying, I see you handsome. Don't you love getting a text like that? Please get better before I get home. <laughs> that just seemed like it would be funny to say. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me give you a scripture, a scripture, and fill in a couple of blanks because all of this ties together. Okay, here's the scripture 2 Corinthians 7, 7, verses 5 and 6. Paul, the guy who launched a missionary movement, planted dozens, perhaps hundreds of churches, wrote half of your New Testament. Paul, a guy that by all standards was as tough as nails. I mean, he describes his life in 2 Corinthians chapter um, 11, I believe it is, where he goes through all the hardships he went through. 
But listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction. In other words, stuff was coming at us from all sides. With battles on the outside, we had problems. We were negotiating on the outside. Let me just say, that's why one of the reasons being a pastor these days is so difficult. The problems on the outside are more fierce than ever before. I mean... When I was growing up in ministry, I didn't have to help people through sexual identity issues like pastors are having to do on a regular basis. I didn't have children coming to me confused as to whether or not they were a boy or a girl. And I didn't have a media that was hell-bent on teaching the most absolute trash-filled garbage in history. To compete with. So there, there was conflict from the outside. Battles on the outside. And then there was fear on the inside. Verse 6. But God. Oh, underline those two words. Paul said, I was being pounded by conflict from every direction. There was opposition from outside. Fear, anxiety on the inside. I wasn't certain I could make it. But God, here's a great, great question we need to constantly ask ourselves. Are you ready? Here's the question. How big is your butt? How big is your butt? I don't, I don't mean B-U-T-T. I mean B-U-T. See, most of us sabotage our lives by following up statements on hopes, dreams, possibilities, and plans with a but. I'd like to go to school, but I don't know if I have what it takes. I know I want to eat healthy, work out, get in shape, but I don't have any self-control. I'd like to volunteer and serve in WBBC, WBCC students or children, but I just don't have the time. I want to begin honoring God with my tithe and offering, but I don't feel like I have enough margin in my finances. Listen, the next time you're tempted to talk yourself out of one of the hopes, dreams, or goals God has placed within you with a big but I kind of statement. I want you to drop a bigger but in its place and replace it with but God, but God, but God, but God. But God, and notice this, this is why I wanted to bring this text, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us, By the arrival of Titus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God who encourages the discouraged. Look, look, I printed this for you in the Amplified. God who comforts and encourages and refreshes and cheers. The depressed and the sinking. Comforted, encouraged, refreshed and cheered. Us. How? By supernatural spiritual experience. Because we were slain in the spirit, because we had a really dynamic service one Sunday morning, all of those things are good. He encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. So let me fill in these blanks for you, okay? Creating a not finished yet culture of encouragement. Number one, stay connected to the source. He says, but God who encourages the discouraged. In other words, God is the source. But here's number two. Everybody needs a Titus. Encourage someone every day. 
See, there are four types of people in this world. Here they are, adders. These are people who add to your life. Strength, courage, faith, subtractors. These are people who subtract from your life. Anybody have any relational vampires in your world? You see them coming, and you can instantly hear that sucking sound. I'm going to suck life out of you. Then there are multipliers. These are people who multiply joy, strength, courage. And then four, there are dividers. Titus was at minimum an adder. I believe he was a multiplier. Everybody needs a Titus. Encourage someone. That word encourage that shows up in 2 Corinthians 5 through 7, it's a great word. It's the Greek word parakaleo. The same word that gets used of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you're never more like the Holy Spirit than when you come along somebody to encourage. And that word means come alongside, admonish, counsel, exhort, comfort, cheer, strengthen. How do I do that? You ready to fill in the blanks? Show up. Just be there. Gave you lots of scriptures for this. Secondly, speak up. Speak life and encouragement. Speak up. Hey, listen. I, I stood at the back just like Kelly and Denise do every Sunday morning. I stood at the back of a church for 34 years. And I do that to be accessible to people. Usually what happens during that period of standing back there is you get to pray for a lot of people who are really, really busy. They have to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I wanted to be back there because I wanted to be most available to them when it was accessible for them. But I think sometimes people think that after a pastor, and I've listened to your pastor speak. And I tell him what an amazing job he is doing in feeding this congregation. But I think most congregational members think, I bet Kelly hears that 50 times every Sunday. I can tell you from personal experience, you might hear it once. You might. Most of the time, it's... And by the way, this is not a complaint. This is why a pastor serves. Most of the time, it's engaging with people at the point of their need and pouring out. And pastors want that. That's not a correction. Please let pastor keep serving you in that way. But also, if you think, wow, that was a really good sermon, say it. If he's ministering to somebody, text it. I mean, if you really want to go crazy on it, record a message of you saying, Dude, you killed that! You made me want to run through a troop and leap over a freaking wall. I love you. If I got a message like that, I don't know what I would do. Speak up. Speak life and encouragement. Here's the third. Here's the third. Step up. Get creative. So I wanted to take a few moments because this will never happen from a pastor. Pastors won't do this unless they're Ben. And Ben will, will be brave enough to do this. <laughs> Ben's already told you to appreciate him today. So, <laughs> so, so you ready? I'm going to give you some ways to encourage your pastors. <laughs> I'm picking on you today, Ben. Uh, yes, you, you, yeah. Uh, seriously, I do love this guy. And I hope you know this is all in jest. I have great respect for him and Amanda. So how do we encourage our pastors? You ready? I want to give you, they're not in your notes, but you might want to jot some of them down. Pray for your pastor. 
the most underutilized source of spiritual power in our churches today is intercession for pastors. Pray, pray, pray to live the truth of God's word. Third John, verse number four, John said this, I have no greater joy than that my children are walking in the truth. When you live out the word that is preached here week in and week out, when your pastor sees you putting that into action, it's encouragement to their soul. Third, if you're part of WBCC, demonstrate your commitment by showing up on Sunday and serving consistently. I want to say it again. Show up and serve. Show up and serve. Well, I should have gotten a better amen. Show up and serve. Here's another way you can encourage your pastor. Refuse to participate in gossip, innuendo, or negativism. Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Well, you know, I heard Kelly say, listen, listen, listen. When I hear statements like that, here's what I want to do. I'm going to be respectful and listen to them finish their statement. And then I'm going to say something like this. Well, I know Kelly personally. In fact, I've known him every day of his life because I got here before he got here. <laughs> I know his heart for you. Have you shared this with him? Then let's go together and share it with him. Usually they respond something like this. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't do it. And then I just drop this one. I love this one. What, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you seven days to share it with him. And if you don't share it within seven days, I'm going to share it. And it won't be anonymous. I'm going to tell him exactly who said it. So he can practice Matthew 18 with you. And he can come to you. But we're not going to tolerate gossip innuendo or negativism at WBCC. It tears down more quickly than anything what God is building. Boy, that was a good word. I've got to amen myself. I'm going to just slap myself on the butt like football players do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, we've already talked about a big butt, right? So when one of your pastors is working on a big project, it could be school. Ben just finished a year of School of Supernatural Ministry and travels to graduate this year. Casey is about to finish up school later this year. He's going to finish up his BA or BS, one of the two. When one of your pastors is working on a big project, regardless of what it is, send them a periodic note, gift, text, email. In fact, let me just say, periodic notes, letters of affirmation, they mean something. I've kept, I've kept every handwritten note I've received. I've kept them. They mean something. When somebody takes that time and effort, Discover your pastor's love languages. What are they? Discover your pastor's love languages and then communicate to them in a way that connects with their given love language. For instance, Pastor Ben, I believe his love language is words of affirmation. I really excelled in that this morning from the stage. <laughs> Amanda is quality time. What would be a great gift for two people who have those gifts? A note to Ben, and perhaps if you're in that relational uh, arena, saying to Amanda, hey, I'd love to babysit the kids so you and Ben can go somewhere special. 
Now, for a mama, you've got to be in that relational web because if a stranger comes up and says, I want to babysit, she's saying, mm, thank you so much. You know, it's one of those Southern, God bless your heart. <laughs> honor, honor your pastor's need for time off. Days off, vacation, honor those. Celebrate and acknowledge special days, birthdays and anniversaries. Have parties. Give them a gift card to a favorite restaurant. For instance, you may not know this, but I know it because I asked. Bobby Kerber, his favorite restaurant is Texas Roadhouse. Let's just make sure that Bobby and Kelsey get to go to Texas Roadhouse more than they ever thought they would because we love them in that way. Uh, give them a gift card to a specialty business like, I, again, I ask this. I know that Austin, he loves, him and his family love camping out at KOA campgrounds. Well, give them a gift certificate to camp out at a KOA so that they can go there. Or how about this? I think everybody on your team is a Tennessee Vols fan. And if they're not, Kelly will be firing them summarily so he can make sure there's orange blood flowing. But get a couple of tickets to a Tennessee Vols game. No pastor has ever regretted that. Gift cards. In fact, that's what I got you guys, a gift card. Because evidently, I'm late in hearing from the Lord. So I had to go to Walmart. And I'm not going to get you a box of pretzels. I got you a gift card so you can get your own pretzels. Cards with cash. Just plain cash. Or if you have a specific skill. Like car repair, home repair, babysitting, medical care. Bless your pastor with one of these. In everybody needs a Titus. Encourage someone today. In fact, let me just say this. Everything that I just said about a pastor, guess what? It applies to people in your life. What if we make this a goal? There's some guy, some girl. They're out there working hard every day. And they feel discouraged. In fact, before they go to work one morning, they just think to themselves, I don't even know if I can do this. But they show up at work. Maybe it's a waitress. Maybe it's the girl at the checkout counter at Walmart. Maybe it's the girl at Food City. Maybe it's the person who's helping you with your car. And all of a sudden, God who encourages the discouraged, encourage them by the arrival of you. You're their Titus. And you speak life. And they leave thinking, I didn't know if I could hold on. A few days ago, Jan and I, one of the things we get to do is we get to go to really small churches sometimes. Really small. And we went to a small church. And I really prayed, and God gave me a message for that church. Psalm 73, 23, 24. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I, you still belong to me. I, I hold your right hand. I guide you with my counsel, leading you to a glorious destiny. That, that's the gist of the verse. And I got up and spoke it that morning. And I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that it was a word for that church. Psalm 73, 23, 24. One of my favorite verses. Woman came to me in the altar. We, we had the altar. 
woman came to me and she's just crying. And the altars were so filled with this church, probably about 70, 75 people were in the room. And the altars were filled. And I started down the line, but when I got to her, she was overwhelmed with tears. And she said, You got to come here. She said, Can I tell you a story? I said, Sure. She said, My husband died in November. We'd been in ministry for 40 years. And when he died, I got really angry at God. I was like, God, we've served you for 40 years. And you take him just when we're getting to the stage where we can enjoy life? Are you kidding me, God? She said, and then God gave me Psalm 73, 23, 24. Nevertheless, I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. She said, Sir, I don't even go to this church. God told me to come here this morning. And I said, I need a message. And God reaffirmed what he's been saying to me in the privacy of my home, that I still belong to him. He's holding my right hand. He's guiding me with his counsel. He's leading me to a destiny. You can be somebody's Titus. Let's stand. Took more than 30 minutes. That was 40. Let's pray. Say this prayer out loud. You ready? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Say it again. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I want you to listen to the Holy 